The JMU football team heads down to Norfolk this week for a rivalry game against Old Dominion. Basketball seasons are underway. Championships going on. Others fall sports. We got a lot to talk about today. We'll start with football. Noah, three straight losses for JMU, three straight losses for ODU going into this one. Somebody's going to be feeling much better about themselves. Somebody's going to be feeling pretty down after Saturday's game down in Hampton Roads. You came, You went to practice yesterday. I wasn't feeling good. I skipped practice. What should we expect from JMU this week after three straight losses, dealing with a lot of injuries? Are they getting back on the right track? Yeah, I think they are. I mean, you know, three losses, two of them that kind of actually ended up beating themselves in. Third one, you know, Louisville just is a better team. And, you know, Christian Eddie talked about how they did everything better than JMU. And, and it was really, you know, in the second half, Louisville just dominated. So I think they're on the right step. I mean, they obviously want to turn it around. They have everything to play for still. Their, their season's not over, and uh, the players seem pretty uh, pretty excited to get back on the field and, and try to turn things around playing at ODU, the last road game of the year, too. So maybe they want to end that road the road part of the schedule on high note. All right, so coming into this one, is JMU any healthier than they have been? I know you probably can't say everything we see in practice and whatnot, but just generally speaking, does that seem to be trending in the right direction? I mean, we saw Tyson and Wyatt come back. We saw, you know, um, we saw Tyson and Teo come back against Louisville. So, obviously, trending in the right direction. I mean, Kalen Black got banged up, Chris Ignatius said, at Louisville on that kickoff. They didn't know if he was going to be able to come back in that game. He came back, set up the touchdown drive. So, medically speaking, they're, they're trending the right way. They're getting guys back that, you know, they expected to. And I think that's a positive sign heading into these last three games. Yeah. Um, down at Louisville, Tyson Teo played. Didn't play as well seemed to still be like feeling some lingering effects of you know injuries he suffered reggie brown leaves that game early uh nick kidwell jalen walker don't even seem to be on the trip any any updates on any of those guys specifically not really i mean you know that jamie's pretty uh keeps injuries tight to the vest and then we'll figure yeah. out on on saturday before the game but you know reggie brown ran off the field with two trainers so if there is an injury there it's probably upper body of some sort because we saw him jogging off and didn't look like he was in any pain there so I don't know for sure what his injury is we already know you know what Jalen Walker is dealing with an ankle and so is Nick Kidwell so we'll see if they get him back but I think at least you know we saw they were able to get a couple guys back this past week so it wouldn't surprise me if they got a couple more back this yeah week. Old Dominion also dealing with a lot of injuries they're you know all everything tight tight ends Zach Koontz is out they've got a lot of guys who won't be available yeah. against JMU does your team have an advantage in that in that spot right now? JMU does for sure. I mean, you know, you ODU lost pretty. They're, they're without two big playmakers on offense. You talk about Zach Koontz, who's like you know a million foot tall tight end, big dude. We saw him at media day, and Ollie Jennings, the Sunbelt's top receiver, has been banged up the last few weeks. He only had I think two catches last week. So if they receive, if they can't throw the ball against JMU, it's gonna be a long day for ODU's offense. Yeah, and you know we've talked about how JMU has kind of turned one dimensional recently due to the injuries. ODU was kind of already there. Ollie Jennings was their offense to a great degree, except the Coastal game. <laughs> and but then you know now he's you know banged up a little bit. I do think you're right that that kind of uh, you know if you're giving somebody the edge when it comes to injuries and depth and whatnot, JMU is probably in a little bit better spot this week which is has been rare for jamie the last few weeks so um you know 
this is a big game. One that I think everybody, everybody in Virginia, if you're not, you know, the UVA tech diehards and you're looking for something interesting in college football in Virginia, you've been kind of looking forward to this game because it is a new, you know, kind of fun rivalry. It's something else. Sunbelt's a fun league. And these two schools, fan bases anyway, have hated each other for a long time, but haven't had the opportunity to do it on the football field with in, in much of a meaningful way. You know, they played two FCS games before ODU moved up after ODU launched their program. But this is something completely different like to play in the Sunbelt Conference at the FBS level against each other. I think the rivalry will take some time. Obviously, you know, they're rivals in other sports, but this football rivalry is going to take more than, I think, you know, creating a trophy to make it work. And I think, you know, we, we saw that yesterday. Chris Ignetti talking about it being like, cool, it's cool for the fans, maybe cool for recruiting, but outside of that, it's just another game. And that's kind of what Ricky Ronnie said too. So overall, it's not that – I think there's more of a rivalry right now between the two programs with App State than there is with ODU. I think yeah, that's true to some degree, but I, I do kind of think too – this will be like one of the first times in a long time we've seen a divided stadium where I think the – Sold out. Yeah, sold out. and I think you know a lot of those tickets went to JMU fans, and that it's probably going to be a pretty, pretty intense atmosphere in a stadium. Um, something that JMU fans really haven't seen. Like they either, you know, dominate their home games, or you know sometimes they dominate games on the road. Or it's like at Louisville this week where you know they got their own little small section. I don't think they've ever seen anything where like okay maybe we're 40 percent of the crowd, and it goes a lot back and forth between the fans and stuff like that. Also for the players. Uh, you know, Jamie's players always liked that trip down to um, William and Mary when they're playing in the CAA, even though the game itself maybe wasn't the most exciting thing, but they're going down there, they're playing in front of like, you know, there are a lot of their, you know, hometown family, high school coaches, everybody makes it out to that game, uh, playing against a lot of, you know, other 757 kids on the roster. I think that even gets amplified even more going, you know, across the water to get into Norfolk where a lot of these guys are, you know, a lot more of them are from, you know, Norfolk, Virginia Beach side of things. And just a bigger game, bigger name opponent, bigger stadium, everything about it. It's probably going to be a little more fun for them as far as, you know, the homecoming aspect of all those 757 kids. Yeah, Kalen Black talked about it a little bit yesterday. He said, you know, he's got a lot of family and friends coming to the game and, and more than he's got enough tickets to get. So he said some of them are buying their own. But, um, you know, he also talked about he knows a lot of guys on the team and, I, you know, we asked, like, how many do you really know? And he's like, there's a lot. So he knows a bunch of the guys on the team and being from, you know, Virginia Beach. But I think at the end of the day, this, for both teams, it's just another Sunbelt Conference game. I mean, in all reality, I think if it's going to turn into rivalry, it takes a couple of years to do. I just think that there's not enough history between the two programs. And especially saying that, you know, both of these coaches weren't here the last time they played. I mean, heck, that was 2011, 2012. You know, Ricky Ronnie replaced the coach that was there at the time, and, and it's been a few years since Mickey Matthews has been around the program. But I think overall it might turn into something, but right now both teams are just approaching it as, hey, so they need they both want to win the game because it's the next one, but also because they're on losing streaks. JMU, if they went out, will tie for first in the, in the Sunbelt East, and I think that's more what they're focused on rather than, you know, beating ODU because they're playing in Norfolk. Yeah, of course, the one aspect of it that co- both coaches did talk about and agree on is recruiting. They recruit against each other a lot. And, you know, you see, especially in Virginia and 
going north, really, where JMU's done a good job recruiting into Maryland, Pennsylvania, yeah. Delaware, those areas. Almost all those kids have both JMU and ODU on their lists. I mean, Chris Signetti yesterday talked about, you know, Jason Henderson at ODU is going to break a record this year in tackles. He leads the, I think, conference, at least in tackles, and maybe even the country. But he talked about him. They tried, JMU tried recruiting him out of high school in, in Pennsylvania and didn't get him. And so he kind of mentioned that. And there's a bunch of guys on this team that, on both teams, you know, that, that have gotten offers from JMU or ODU. But he also was asked, you know, how big of an impact is really winning this game on, on recruiting? He was like, well, it comes up. But he goes, I don't think winning one game is going to change whether or not someone's going to commit to school A or B, but he goes, it definitely gets brought up at some point or another. Yeah. And I think it also just kind of, you know, it sits in the back of people's minds. You know, if you, you know, ODU is going to have a ton of recruits at that game and maybe sits in the back of their minds. If like, ah, I really like the way JMU played and I was there, things like that. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's like, okay, well, <laughs> ODU won 17, 13, so that's my school now. Like you know, it doesn't quite go that way. But it's all about you know exposure and just getting your brand in people's heads. Um, let's take it to the field then a little bit. Yep. Um, JMU offensively has struggled their last two times out. Struggled mightily, especially after halftime. Um, ODU's got a pretty solid defense, but I still think you know JMU has struggled against the two best defenses they played and probably will play this season. Is this an opportunity for them to get back on track offensively, especially if guys just continue to get a little bit more healthy? Yeah, I think so. But I also think at the same time, like when you, when you go back to the Louisville game and people, like you look at the offense as a whole, it didn't go too well. But if you look at the first half, their game plan was working. They were running the ball, keeping the ball out of the hands of Malik Cunningham, making progress running the ball. Louisville was able to figure that out at halftime and just stack the box, and that's that's kind of what happened. I think this time around, JMU will have success running the ball against them, and I think that that is probably what they're going to go to first um, to really open up everything else in their game because of the fact that they're banged up receiver-wise right now, as it appears, and, you know, the offensive line could get stronger this week. We'll see what happens with that, um, but... I still think they run the ball a bunch against ODU, who will struggle moving the ball themselves. And I think that if you, if JMU finds success doing one thing, they're going to do it because ODU's offense didn't do a whole lot last week against Marshall. They got shut out, and they it was a twelve point game. Yeah, and we saw it um, this week where where JMU ran the ball successfully in the first half and just is not able to win that game physically against a Louisville. For 60 minutes. And, you know, not only was Louisville able to stack the box, eight, nine guys in the box, basically the entire second half, we, we, we remarked about during the game, they're doing wholesale line changes on the defensive line at times, bringing out fresh guys. Um, that was more on passing downs and everything. But still, you're looking at guys staying fresh for the entire game. Uh, just something JMU wasn't able to combat. I do think, yeah, they're going to be able to kind of impose their will on the line of scrimmage a little bit more the way they did early in the season. You know, they dominated the line of scrimmage on both sides, offense and defense against the play, you know, the first five yep. opponents they faced. And I think, you know, they're getting a little bit back into a situation where they're capable of doing that, especially if they can balance things out a little bit. If let's say a Nick Kidwell comes back this from injury this week, I don't know if he's going to, but if he does, that balances things out. Cause they turned to try to run behind Tyshawn White a lot last week, which apparently was a coincidence. 
I mean, uh, yeah. Yes, not it. Was but it happened. But it happened, especially early in the game. They were trying to establish that against you know on his right side, and you know you not only see the box stacked against you, but you know you're not surprising anybody when they know what side of the field you're trying to run on. Um, that could potentially balance out a little bit more. Defensively, though, you know, JMU has played pretty well defensively, even in these last two losses. I, I don't know what happened in the outlier. That was the Georgia Southern game defensively. I mean, it uh, was just uh, turning into – Yeah. <laughs> it, that game just turned into a shootout at the end. Yeah. And then, you know, the Kyle Ventry's – Jimmy's run defense played what you expect. Kyle Ventry's yeah. just decided to, you know, uh, throw the ball a lot. Yeah, but I think one thing that if you're looking at the Jamie defense – where they could take another step and really help this team win if they're still struggling in offense is they haven't gotten those huge defensive plays, the turnovers, the you know defensive scores, the safeties, things that they got early in the season that clearly it's it's asking a lot for your defense to not only you know stop the other team but also like get some points for you to expect that. But it was something that was happening with some frequency early in the season. And has not happened during this losing streak for JMU. Yeah, I mean, you're playing better teams now, right? And yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. And Louisville's Louisville, they're gonna expose you. <laughs> they're just a better team, right? And it's just it is what it is. But that loss in the in the grand scheme of things doesn't mean anything for JMU, right? Because it's not a conference game. But you know, overall I think they won't have as big of a problem against ODU, who's banged up. I mean, when you look at the stats, ODU has the worst scoring offense in the Sun Belt, scoring 21 points a game. They have the second-to-last total defense in the Sun Belt. So right there, it, it makes it's a favorable game for JMU. They, their offense struggles to score points. Their defense gives up a whole lot of yards. Yeah, and I think it's a game that JMU just – they really need to win this one because just – the mindset and what's happening the rest of the season completely changes whether or not they win or lose this one. You know, to say must win in a situation that Jamie was in this year, you know, for not being able to go to a bowl game, not be able to play in a postseason, making a transition, it's kind of silly to call anything a must win. But, like, in some ways, they either win this one and they write the ship and they have momentum and they still potentially can win the East and they play two home games that people will be excited for, or they lose this one and I think a lot of people's interest in the rest of the season dips significantly. I don't know. I don't think so because there's nothing technically for them to do past the 26th of November. And I, I think if they lose, they lose. It is what it is. It's it's a growing pain. I don't think they will lose the game. I mean, we'll, we'll probably predict it later, but I'll just say now I don't think they will lose the game. But if they somehow do, I don't think it really wanes much interest. I mean – because of who they're going to be playing next in Georgia State, and Georgia State's probably the same level as ODU in the, in the conference right now, and and then they'll finish with Coastal, which I think that game will have a, a very large interest just because of who Coastal Carolina is and, and the kind of program that they have been running in the Sun Belt Conference. And so I don't think that this, if they lose, it really changes much. I mean, there's a lot of interest on a three-game losing streak right now, and I think you know if it goes to four, it goes to four, it's whatever. It's it's the FBS, but at the same time, I don't think it will it will get that far. Yeah, I do think, I guess maybe interest is not the right way to phrase it. I think it could be fairly demoralizing if they lose this one. It goes to four straight, something that basically nobody on the team outside of, you know, some guys like, you know, Devin Coles who played at Norfolk State or whatever, like, have experienced. Uh, not many of them experienced a four-game losing streak. Um, you lose a game that your fans are pretty excited about. Um, 
and you lose that opportunity to win the East, which is kind of all it's kind of everything for JMU right now is that opportunity to be the East champions. Um, but like I said, I, they still will have, you know, two home games that these FCA, FBS home games are pretty precious for this program right now. And that will be the case, but I'm like you, I don't think they're going to lose. I'm talking about what happens if they lose a lot, but I am like you, I don't think they're going to lose. You mentioned it. Let's just come up with some predictions and then we can move on to, you know, talk a little bit about what we've seen in basketball and stuff like that. Let me uh, check what uh, Vegas is trying to say. So if you want to go first, go be my okay. guest. I think last night, Jamie was like an eight-point favorite. I'm pulling it up right now. Yeah. Let's see. As of uh, 10.30 on Wednesday, they are an eight-point favorite. Give me the Dukes by 10. It's going to be a uh, – we're going to go 24-14. That sounds you know pretty reasonable. Um, yeah, I do think Jamie is going to win this one. I think Jamie is getting healthier and healthier. I think they're – you know. Figuring out different things, they probably probably didn't show a lot in the second half against Louisville that we might see coming up uh, against ODU. There's a chance they could get a little more creative with some things, uh, have some players back, ready to go. And I just think, you know, overall, JMU's better on both sides of the ball, really. Even with ODU having a pretty good defense, I think Jamie's a better team on both sides of the ball and should be able to kind of control things in this one. Uh, specific score, I don't know. Say hey, almost 27-12 I'll go with for uh, A lot of field goals, or are they going to miss extra points? Eh, some field goals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so Monday night at the Atlantic Union Bank Center, we saw – a nail biter, and the women's team also won by two points. <laughs> um, they but, lost by two points. Well, yeah, lost by two points. That yeah, just ruined my joke there. Uh, but yeah, basketball season's underway. We'll start with the women's game, where um, Jimmy led really the most of the evening. Uh, Maine came back in the second half, took the lead, went back and forth for a while. Um, Maine ends up scoring with less than a second left in the game to win that one, get out of Harrisonburg with a win. Maine is a good team. Maine looks like a good team. They have some good players. They won the American East last year. Um, Pretty sure they've won it like seven years in a row. Yeah, a good program, you know, really on par with what JMU has been as a program. But I do think there was like some significant disappointment for JMU to play that game at home, open it, open a new era, have, you know, a lot of new faces on the court. And still come out with a loss that looked a lot like some of their losses in CAA play last year, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we talked about it after the game, but the first half they looked really well, and they got everyone involved. In the second half, it kind of became the uh, Kiki Jefferson show. Yeah, and, you know, we've talked so much about Peyton McDaniel, Claire Neff getting back on the court for JMU, and they were back on the court. They, you know, made their returns, but played 20 minutes total. Uh, they didn't get a ton out of either one of them. Uh, Peyton McDaniel kind of showed what she can do immediately, stepping on the floor and hitting a three, but then only played about seven minutes in that game, um, close to eight minutes. And just cl- clearly they're not ready to be the, you know, number two and three scoring options on this team quite yet. They haven't practiced full go as much as some of the others. Uh, weren't ready to get into the mix quite there. I do think that'll make a huge difference. Not to mention, um, and a Goodman didn't suit up. She's been dealing with some injury issues. Uh, Kobe King Hawaii is not going to play till early December, um, till she becomes eligible. 
So there's a lot of room for improvement for this team. But I think, you know, the main concern was really just that, you know, the way things got when the game got tight and the game was on the line, they went away from, you know, running plays in the post to Susha Kozlova that worked pretty well early in the game. They didn't get um, as many assists as they kind of were bragging about they ought to get with a new point guard, Carolyn Jamond. Um, you know, just the stat lines, everything else, the bad three-point shooting, the bad assist to turnover ratio, uh, Kiki Jefferson one-on-one down the stretch, it all looked so similar to last season when they had their first losing record in a long, long time, I think 18 years. Yeah, you also heard Sean Reagan after the game kind of say, you know, he's kind of glad, like, not that he wants to lose the game, but he's kind of glad it happened so he can kind of teach them and show, like, this is this is what happens when you when you stop playing the way you're supposed to be playing in the first half, and they, as they were, and they stopped at halftime and just went downhill. Yeah, and... I will say this, too. You can go back even to some of the absolute best seasons JMU women's basketball has ever had. They've had some time in November where they just have not played well and have like made those kinds of mistakes that cost them a game and or laid an egg against an inferior opponent. And this is certainly not an inferior opponent. But, you know, normally it doesn't happen the first game of the season, but maybe this was that kind of November wake-up call that they tend to get once a year. Um, maybe it did just happen first game of the season, and they can uh, you make a lot of adjustments and be a little more focused going forward. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, it's always good to teach with film, and I, they haven't really had it yet, and so now they can figure it out. Yeah. Beyond that, though, I mean, you just have to talk about that Kiki Jefferson continues to be one of the best players, you know, individual players this program has ever seen you know now she's in her fourth year she's been a major contributor since she was a freshman uh double double with 23 points again um on monday night you know really you know willing to take on put it all on her shoulders when things aren't working well and i don't want to like you know we talk about her going one-on-one and it you know her taking over games and everything i don't want to like you know say that really in a negative light for her because she's doing what it you know, feels like the team is like asking of her when nobody else can step up in those situations. But, you know, just going to kind of highlight that, you know, as much as JMU has struggled over the past one season plus, her performances have been pretty incredible. And, you know, you got another look at her last night. Just what did you think about her on an individual level? Yeah, I think she played well. I mean, you know, she obviously can get to the basket and then she, and she showed that and she got, she kept the minute for a lot of the game and, and just, you know, Mame's able to hit a layup with the second left. Yeah, and we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon. So uh, maybe by the time some people listen to this, they will have already played at Millersville on Wednesday night. But we'll talk about that a little bit. You know, Kiki, you know, should be another big night for her going home. She, she mentioned it in the postgame on Monday. It's the first time her grandmother gets to see her play in person in college. You know, her, her parents are at every game, and, you know, we hear her dad. You know, have a lot to say during most of those games. Uh, <laughs> very supportive father, but uh, you know, this will be a big one for her to go home uh, to the Lancaster, PA area. Jamie playing, making the unusual decision to go play a Division two team on the road, second game of the season. But maybe this works out for them to get an opportunity to kind of work on some of those things. With you would think, not as much. Um, risk of losing a game as a 
you know, if they're working out a lot of kinks against a team that's just as good as them Monday against Maine, maybe it's the right time to go play a game. I mean, you know, basically a glorified exhibition, even though the season's already started. Yeah, I mean, you can beat up on a <laughs> not as good team, and but also try things. I think it works. I think you know, maybe it's the thing that they need to boost their confidence to come back and then actually play Division One teams afterwards. But I think it's not a bad, not a bad start for them. Obviously, they probably would if you, you play the game game one, then it's just a little better. But it, it'll be fine. Yeah, and maybe this is a way to uh, make sure they're completely focused going into this one, where you know that might have been a difficult situation uh, if they hadn't lost a heartbreaker on Monday. Uh, we can talk about the men's whose game didn't come down to the wire. It was over it's the first two minutes of the game. Yeah, it was uh, not a lot to talk about just, you know, when it comes to the score, unless we just want to, like, run down all the uh, ridiculousness of Jamie's 85-point win against Valley Forge. But we did get our chance to see 14 different players play. Walk-ons lead the team in field goal attempts, uh, you know, Shane Fedden double figures for the first and possibly the only time in his JMU career. Um, we got to see a lot of things. Got our first look at transfers, Noah Friedel, Mezzi Oforum. Uh, Mezzi didn't really assert himself too much in this one. He, he could have, you know, he could have done whatever he wanted to. Uh, but you wrote about Noah Friedel yep. coming into JMU. Uh, I talked to him after the game was perfect on field goals, three points, attempts, free throws for 17 points and 11 minutes of play. Um, just what was your impression of this guy coming in who has an opportunity to be a real difference maker for this team? I think, you know, he's not afraid. He didn't hesitate to shoot any threes, and he made them all. He made four threes on the night and only played 11 minutes and led the team in scoring. And I think that's kind of what you want from a, a guy like that. I mean, he obviously came from South Dakota State where he was, I think, a, close to 40% career shooter at three, and, and he showed that he's got that, and he, he made himself at home pretty quickly. So we'll see what he can do tonight against Hampton um, and uh, against his first time against a Division One opponent with JMU. But from what we saw on Monday's uh, any preview, it's going to be a pretty good year for him. Yeah, it was, it was remarkable. You can't tell a whole lot against, like um, – a team like Valley Forge, but the way he shot the ball would have been impressive in an empty gym, you know? So that, that's, that's the thing. Well, I think, uh, you know, Jamie fans might see from him moving forward too a little bit more is that you, he showed how he can shoot this week. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you know, let's be honest, Midwestern white boy, you probably think of him as a shooter, He's a scorer. He showed that at, at uh, South Dakota State. Like he gets to the basket, he gets to the rim, he can jump. Um, we'll we'll see a little bit more, I guess. Is just, just you know pure scoring ability as opposed to being you know to spot up a shooter. Um, probably on Wednesday against Hampton. Uh, Hampton's got some good guards. They're not not a lot expected of the Pirates this season. So, um, Jamie's schedule gets a little bit more competitive here immediately, but. Uh, still not necessarily a premier game on the schedule when you look at it. But the last time they're going to play at home for a while, they go on the road for three straight. I'm pretty interested to see, you know, what Friedel does as far as, you know, probably getting guarded a little bit better, but also just how they react to not having their two best point guards, Tyree Iannaccio and Terrell Strickland, both going to be out for a few weeks. 
how, how they respond to, you know, they should be challenged at least at times in this one tonight. Yeah, I think so. I think it will be a little bit, I mean, you get a little stiffer competition. It won't be 123 to 30, whatever it was, against Valley Forge. But I think it's, it's a good test for Jamie, really, to figure out, you know, you're going to play a real opponent. Your, your key players are going to play a lot of more minutes than they played. I mean, they, I think nobody played more than 16 minutes that are actually, like, you know, a starter. So I think that's also good. You get to see a full a full game out of these guys where you only saw 20 minutes. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of how the rotations go. Um, we saw them play a big lineup to start the second half uh, where everybody on the floor was 6'6 six, six or taller. Um, I'm wondering how much they're going to mix that in against, uh, you know, real competition. i curious, Xavier Brown checked in pretty early, the freshman point guard, you know, with – the injuries, maybe an opportunity for him. I'm wondering if he's going to get, you know, uh, continue to get significant playing time. Uh, be an interesting thing for him. He's from Williamsburg, you know, just, uh, you know, eight miles or so from Hampton. So it'd probably be fun for him to play that team. Uh, I'm curious to see defense. They talked a lot about defensive intensity. Clearly they had it when, you know, Valley Forge could barely score um, in this game. They had it for much of the non-conference schedule last year. They looked really good on defense. They were shutting teams down, especially in the backcourt. Without Terrell Strickland to kind of be the head of that, I'm kind of curious to see how they how they do that. You know, um, to call Molson is a guy who really brings it defensively. That's never been Noah Friedel's reputation. Uh, Votto Morris has gotten better and better in that in that regard. You know, since he's arrived at JMU. But I'm kind of curious to see, you know, if they're playing a guy like Terrence Edwards, 6'6", at the point guard, do they use that to kind of, you know, really bring that pressure into the backcourt, use his size, his length, and everything against a Hampton team that has their own big guard in uh, Jordan Nesbitt, 6'6", six, 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 signed with Memphis out of high school, transferred to uh, St. Louis, was pretty decent for the Billikens last year, has a lot of talent, was a big-time recruit, That'll be an interesting matchup for me to watch. Is I'm guessing we'll see Terrence Edwards and Jordan Nesbitt on each other quite a bit on Wednesday night. That that'll be fun to see. Yeah, I've seen a lot of St. Louis basketball over my time, and you know they're a good they're a good team. But he was he was a good player for them. But obviously things like just didn't work out, and he's at Hampton now. But you know overall, I think you know it'll be a good test for JMU to really see what their defense is made of. Because Yes, they played defense against Valley Forge, but also Valley Forge missed a whole lot of shots. So we'll see what happens um, on Wednesday night against Hampton. Yeah, and JMU is uh, gradually stepping it up schedule-wise as they you know, play Hampton at home and then um, head on the road Saturday at exactly the same time JMU starts playing ODU on the football field. JMU men's basketball team will be at Buffalo taking on uh, the Bulls. I think that'll be the game where we first probably get our best idea of what kind of team jam you might have this year so will you have it on your laptop at the uh, same time i probably will laptop or phone or something yeah <laughs> love it yep well there we go we we talked hoops we talked football we talked big rivalry developing at odu we talked about a lot today so i think it's about time to wrap this one up uh you've been listening to the purple and bold podcast from the Daily News Record, as always, I'm Shane Metlin with Noah Fre- Fleischman. About said Noah Friedel, but it's Noah Fleischman sitting with me here. And, you know, 
We are your JMU beat writers at the paper, and thank you for listening.